for Easter is traditionally or typically called Lent or considered to be Lent. And although there's not really a, a, a Lent series per se, we've been uh, looking at the early ministry of Jesus the last few weeks, and then we'll, we're going to gradually uh, work up to um, the days and week right before Jesus was arrested, um, tried, and crucified as we work up to Easter Sunday, okay? So if you have, um, have a Bible with you this morning, open up to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to start in really the first chapter of Mark, first and second chapters of Mark, and uh, we'll move on from there. So if we start in the first, the first chapter of Mark, you'll see that there is a really distinct pattern in Jesus' ministry, really all throughout the Gospels, um, but really evident here in the first, first couple chapters of Mark's Gospel. Um, and uh, the pattern here is this, is that everywhere that Jesus went, a crowd followed. And he had a really difficult time escaping the crowd and he had a really difficult time um, kind of meeting the needs of the entire crowd and this is a pattern that existed all the way throughout the gospels but uh, if you see here in mark chapter 1 uh, for instance verse 33 um, it says that the whole town gathered at the door as jesus healed many who had various diseases the whole town right you jump over to, uh, jump forward a little bit uh, to verse 37, and one of Jesus' disciples comes to him, uh, kind of in a, a little uh, tizzy, because he says, Jesus, everyone, everyone is looking for you. There's not a, everyone in the town is looking for you. You're in super high demand, right? The crowd's pushing in on him. Jump ahead again to verse 45. Uh, there in Mark chapter 1, it says, Instead, he went out, began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, uh, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere. And in, um, in uh, upcoming verses and chapters in uh, Mark's gospel, you'll see that uh, when Jesus needed or wanted to uh, teach or preach to the crowd that that it was it necessitated him getting into a boat and putting off just a little bit from shore so he could just be like yo bros a little bit of personal space right like get back up off me a little bit and uh, allow me to allow me to talk without pressing up right against me uh, because the the needs of the crowd the the demand of the crowd on Jesus time on his attention, on his, on his touch, um, was so much that it was difficult for him even, I think, to function. Um, he regularly scooted off to um, solitary, or like it says, lonely places where he could get a little boundary, a little bit of time um, with the Father. Our scripture for this morning uh, specifically is Mark chapter 2, Verses 1 through 12, and the same pattern holds true here in, in these verses. So let's read Mark 2, uh, 1 through 12 this morning. 
was a few, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him, Jesus, because they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or, get up. Take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The paralytic got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Why does it seem that the um, demand of the crowd on Jesus was such a pattern? And I know we just talked about a few verses here, but uh, trust me when I say that this is a pattern not just in Mark's gospel, but it's a pattern in um, Matthew, Luke, and John's gospel as well, is that the demand on Jesus' time, that the lack of physical boundaries around Jesus, that the demand of the crowd to get something from Jesus to be around him was such a pattern. Why was this such a thing? The reason um, maybe surprise, maybe should surprise you, maybe, maybe it won't surprise you, but the reality here is that uh, both from a practical standpoint and where they were, but also from what we believe by faith about who Jesus is, is that Jesus offered the people... Uh, a healing that no one else could. Jesus offered pe people uh, a type of healing that, that no one else could, that no one else was able to, that no one else was there during that time. See, the, the reality is, is that if there, were, if there were people who were healing other people, on every corner in the ancient Near East, right? If Capernaum had um, ten, 10 men or women of God who were regularly laying their hands on people and healing them of sickness, healing them of leprosy, um, healing, healing those who have been paralyzed for whatever reason, either from birth or from circumstances, if there, were, if there was an abundance of people all over the world healing people of, of debilitating things, right? You, it, would, it would stand to reason that the demand on Jesus' time, that the demand on Jesus' attention would not be as strong. But the reality is, is that Jesus walks into town, right? He begins to teach with authority. He lays his hands on people and they're healed of things. 
and, and, and it's never been experienced or seen before. There was a uniqueness to what Jesus was doing that they had never experienced. The type of healing that he was doing was unique. See, Jesus, he touches and he heals the places both within people and for people that no one else could and that no one else wanted to. If you look at the section of Scripture right before chapter 2, you see an extremely, uh, an extremely unique circumstance in the ancient world. We often don't realize or understand how unique it was, but in verses 40 through 42 of Mark chapter 1, it says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing... You can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. And Jesus said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. Offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. As a testimony to them, instead the man, it says, went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news of his healing. This man had very likely, this leper, all right, had very likely never been physically touched by another human being since he was afflicted with leprosy. Now, leprosy is generally used as a, as a general term for any type of outer skin condition, but in the in the, the Jew, Jewish ancient Near East, those skin conditions were, they, they were considered to make a person unclean. Unclean for uh, ritual, ritual and ceremonial, um, like religious observances. And because they were unclean, anyone who got near them or touched them or shared food with them or, or were at the table with them, sometimes even in the same room with them, would themselves be considered unclean as well. And so the isolation that this man must have experienced because of what he was afflicted with, that most Jews would, would, would hesitate to even approach him, right? We see multiple times within uh, the New Testament, though, where, where Jesus laid his physical hands on those who were suffering from leprosy. Jesus' healing was unique. He, he healed people in such a unique way than others. He was, he was willing to heal the people and the places that no one else could or that no one else wanted to. And not only did, it wasn't like he did so begrudgingly either. Like the, the, the leper, you know, like backed him into a corner and Jesus, in order to escape, was like, okay, you're healed, now go away. Right, but what did what did the 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 um, the man with leprosy say? He said, "Jesus, if you are willing, I know that you can heal me." And Jesus, Jesus' response to the man was, "I am willing. 
You know how willing Jesus is to heal you? You know that, that Jesus is not, Jesus does not begrudgingly hold his, his healing power from your life? He does not, he is not, he is not, um, uh, like, he's not hoarding it. He's not, he's not keeping it a secret. He's not desiring that you go through 30 or 40 steps so that you clean yourself on the outside, that you clean yourself on the inside, and, and then he will heal you. Jesus is, Jesus is willing to heal you even in the raw present of your affliction. Jesus is always willing, always willing to heal. But just because Jesus is always willing to heal um, doesn't mean that healing always occurs. Why? Why does healing not always occur? Well, we look at um, our scripture from this morning and we'll see that there are uh, seems to be some obstacles to healing time to time. Back in chapter 2 of Mark, we see that uh, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Uh, maybe the question for you and I uh, today, and I, I am not, I am not paralyzed. Um, I don't have leprosy. In fact, um, besides my my sore knees that I'm still, you know, rehabbing from knee surgery last year. I'm a, I'm a pretty physically healthy person. I don't I don't have anything like uh, physically infirming me that I would that I would say, Lord, I, I really need you to heal, uh, really need you to heal this right now. Okay, uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't need healing. Because uh, even though my, my physical body may be uh, relatively young and strong and healthy, I know that my heart can be so sick. Right? My mind can be so diseased. My, my emotions can be so addicted to feeling a certain way, to thinking a certain way, to acting a certain way that that I need healing that I that I need to be that I need to be healed not just in my physical body but but down but down into the depths of my down into the depths of my heart I need the type of healing that is unique to Jesus the type of healing that that no one else can provide that no one else is able um, that no one else is able to do the hurt and diseased places in me that no one else is willing to touch i need the healing touch of jesus the one that can go to the place where I, my my sickness and my infirmity lies and touch it with his healing power the question maybe is is not what, what, what is physically paralyzed by, in you, and it may be. 
But maybe the more general question um, uh, here this morning is, is what is it exactly that stands in between you and Jesus healing you? What, what, what is it that, what, what is it, right? If there's, if there's healing that needs to take place, either in your physical body, or there's healing that needs to take place in your heart, or healing that needs to take place in your mind or your emotions, if there is healing that needs to take place, what is standing in between the healing that Jesus is willing to provide and your sickness? I won't speak for you because I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but I, I know that there are things that stand in the way of my healing all the time. My fear stands in the way of my healing. My pride stands in the I don't want to let go of something. I, don't, uh, I can do this on my own. I can figure this out. I can, I can do better. I can act better. I can think more healthy, right? I can, I can, I can like... Uh, um, institute better discipline or habits just under my own willpower, right? I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. How utterly powerless we are and our, our need for Jesus. Sometimes what stands in between me and my healing is my blind spots, right? I... I, I, am, I am so blind to what is keeping me sick that I, I, I've put up with it for so long. I have endured it for so long. I have welcomed it and comforted it in my life for so long that I can no longer see. I, it, is, it has made me blind to how sick I really am. Maybe the thing that stands in between uh, me and my healing or me and jesus essentially is something that i don't want to give up i'm not willing to let go of that i'm not willing to say no any longer i'm not willing to say no to that relationship i'm not willing uh to, to let go of that habit i'm not willing to let go of that that place or this environment i'm not willing to let go of that job I'm not willing to let go of it. It's mine. I'm keeping it. Right? Maybe that stands in the way of my healing. Maybe it's not something that I'm unwilling to give up. Maybe it's something that I'm unwilling to start doing. But there's got to be another way, Jesus. Right? Like, I, I know that's the pathway to healing. I know that's what I need to start doing. I really don't want to do that thing, though, so can, we, so can we negotiate a different path? I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to start doing this. Stands in the way. Right? Stands in the way of my healing. Here's the incredible thing about this story uh, from Mark's Gospel this morning. Um, is... Uh, we, we are such an individualistic culture, right? We're so private, right? Like, no, I'll, I'll beat this on my own. I'll do this on my own. Not going to share this struggle with anyone. Not going to ask anyone for help. I'm not going to be my authentic self and say, hey, I can't do this. I, 
I can't do this. It is like, it is woven into the DNA of who we are in 21st century modern America that just do it yourself. Pull, your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work harder, try harder, you know, read Oprah's book club, book of the month, you know, like, you'll get it. Um, uh, you know, reshare something on Instagram, you know, some, some um, inspiring quote, and that, that's got to be the thing that's going to send you on your way, right? When I, when me, when I am the one who stands in the way of my healing, when, when I am paralyzed in the midst of my sickness, I need people who love me enough to carry me to Jesus. I need people who love me enough in the midst of of my sickness to carry me to the feet of Jesus. There, 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 are, there are times when I, for whatever reason, when, when, when I am the roadblock to my own healing, when my blind spots, my fear, my pride, the thing that I don't want to give up or the things that I don't want to start doing, when, when I am the roadblock to my own healing, Sometimes, sometimes, what is necessary is that I need people in my life who love me enough to pick me up and carry me to the one who can offer unique healing. Now you've, you've heard me talk about this before here. Talk about gospel community. It's, um, it's one of our core values here. The the um the the not the idea but the the presence the practice of gospel community and 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 this is one of the roles of gospel community this is this is one of the things that that gospel community does for us is that when we are the ones when we are the ones that are in the it, the obstacle for our own healing, um, the, the community of, of gospel-loving, Jesus-following, grace-filled people that are around us, throw us on a mat, drag us kicking and screaming, if necessary, right, and get us to the feet of Jesus, because he's the one that heals. Why do we talk about gospel community so much? We talk about being rooted in a community of people centered around Jesus and the gospel. Because it is one of the things that is critical and key to experiencing victory, healing, wholeness, and redemption in your life. And we see gospel community on display here in Mark 2, 1 through 12. You don't have to... You don't even have to know really the backstory of who, who those four guys were. You know everything you need to know about them by what they go through in order to get the man to Jesus. But what do we see in Mark 2? What is, what is implied in Mark 2, 1 through 12? Uh, we should have these things up. Yeah. 
up on the screen. Number one, gospel community, all right? These are, these are key features of gospel community found in Mark 2, 1 through 12. Gospel community, number one, refuses to simply accept the brokenness as others, in others as just a lost cause. They're just too far gone, right? They've traveled down that road for too long, right? They're too deep. It's too deeply seated in them. Dude's been paralyzed since the day he was born. Even if Jesus healed him, he wouldn't have the muscles in his legs to stand up, right? It's a lost cause. They're mentally ill. They're addicted. They don't have the discipline or the willpower. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. They, they can't see it for themselves. They're unwilling to go there. Gospel community refuses to simply accept the brokenness is in others as simply a lost cause, as not worth my time, as not something that I can do. You see, the reality is, is that, is that um, there, there are a lot of times that I want to see change in someone else's life because their brokenness is uncomfortable for me. Right? Man, it's just like they're hard to be around and I kind of feel awkward around them and like I don't know what to do with it and, and uh, it's kind of, uh, just, it's easier if I don't and I, 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 uh, I just, I, I can't, I can't do it, right? But, but refusing to simply accept the brokenness in others is, is, uh, is about wanting to see a change not for our benefit, so we're more comfortable when we're around them, but for their benefit of healing and wholeness and redemption. The guys carrying the paralytic on the mat would be like, you know, we got to get him to Jesus because um, I can't be spending all day carrying him around anymore. It's cramping my style. But instead, right, if it was simply about what was comfortable for me to get this guy healed, they probably would have walked up, saw that the house was filled, there's no way to get this guy to Jesus. Oh, well, I guess this is just the way it is today. I'm just going accept to the, accept the circumstances of this guy's brokenness once again. Let's take him home, right? But they refuse to accept the brokenness, right? They, they, they refuse to say, well, this is, I guess this, this is just how it's going to be. I guess this is just what it's going to be. I'll, I'll just pick you up tomorrow, same time, George. All right, see you then. But no, like, their, their motivation was to see, see the dude healed, right? And when their motivation was coming from a place of love for the one that was sick, it... It allowed them the fortitude, the perseverance, the endurance, the strength to go the extra mile to get the guy to Jesus. Gospel community, here what we learned from Mark chapter 2, gospel community perseveres through opposition and fights to get people healed. 
What is the opposition to the man getting, the, the paralyzed man getting healed? It's the crowd, right? The opposition is the crowd. They get to the doorstep of the house. There's people lining the road. There's no way to get into Jesus. There's no telling even where he is, right? The one, the one who was, was, not, was not committed out of love to the man who was sick and needed healing would be like, well, um, we did all that we could. But the gospel community perseveres through opposition to healing and fights to get people healed. No, no, like we got to figure something else out. How are we going to help this guy? How are we going to get him the healing that he needs? Where does he need it? Well, we know that the only place that he's going to get what he needs is at the feet of Jesus. So we got to, it's got to happen, right? And the, the, the third thing we learn about gospel community from Mark 2 is that gospel community does daring whatever it takes types of things to get people to the feet of Jesus. Whatever it takes. I'm not going to fix you myself, right? I'm not going to change the circumstances of, 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 of your life just out of my own willpower, but I'm going to do everything it takes, everything within my power to get you to the place where real healing exists. And what do these guys do? They're like, well, I guess the only way to get him to Jesus is to climb on the roof and we'll cut a hole in it, I guess, and we'll get some rope and we'll tie it to the four corners of the mats and then we'll lower the guy down. And so it's like, hey, Jesus, here's a miracle coming right from heaven for you, right? Touch him and be healed, right? It's like doing whatever it takes, making the big risk, daring whatever it takes types of things to get people to the feet of Jesus. This is the picture of gospel community. This is the picture of people who want to see those around them healed and whole and redeemed. But don't, don't lose sight, all right? And don't miss the main point here, all right? The main point is not that you provide the healing. Gospel community does not provide the healing, okay? Gospel community drives us to the place where healing can happen, and that's with Jesus, all right? You ever, like, this is probably just my house because all your kids are perfect, okay? Um, but you never, like, you know, uh, your, your kid doesn't want to do something, right? And you tell them to go do it, right? And they like plant their feet, right? Not moving, right? And you ge gently, of course, because we're all Christians, and we, um, um, right? And we come gently behind them, and we place our hand on their back, right? Okay, time to move in, you know, like time to go do this thing, right? And um, it's kind of one of like these movements into the. Like they're pushing back, like kind of like if if you move your hand, they're gonna fall backwards because they're pushing so far, so hard back against you, right? You're gently leading them into the place of obedience, right? Gently leading them into the place of obedience, right? But they're just fighting, fighting against you with everything that they have. But you're like you're committed, right? 
You're com- no, like, you're committed to seeing this through. You're committed to their obedience, right? Because you know it's what's best for them. And if you have to gently or even not so gently move them to the place of obedience, you will. Right? And with gospel community, it's the same. It's not, it's not us pushing on the back of someone that, that creates the healing. What, what we do is we, we get behind someone when, they are, when, when their feet are so stuck in the mud, right? When they are their own opposition, when their fear, their pride, um, what, what they don't want to give up, what they don't want to do is, is so, they're, they're fighting against it so hard. We provide that push to the foot of the cross where healing occurs. You know, I've, I've found and experienced some things. Um, I found and experienced some things about gospel community that I, that I think are important. Um, we went over three here in, in Mark chapter 2, okay? Uh, but I want to offer you four others, all right? Four others that um, I think if like, because the natural question here is, all right, so what if I'm convinced about it, the necessity of it, gospel community, uh, I, I want it, I don't know how to create it. I don't know how to do it, right? Maybe you have a small group that you meet with. Maybe there's a, uh, maybe like you've, you've got pew buddies, right? Since you all sit in the same place every week, right? You got pew buddies, people that are around you, being like, all right, we're kind of this little community. Uh, are we a gospel community here? Yes, we absolutely are a gospel community here. Um, logistically speaking, though, it's a little difficult for us to all be up to speed on every facet of everyone's life, right? So it makes sense for us to say, all right, um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna gather in, in smaller groups of people so that we can pour into each other, we can really invest in one another, uh, we, can, we can know what's going on, you know, if, if you're the greatest obstacle to your own healing, I'm going to gently push you to the feet of Jesus because I love you so much and he's going to heal you and there's going to be wholeness and redemption in your life and, and I'm committed to seeing it whether you are or not, right? Uh, and so, we, yeah, it's necessary for us to, to get into smaller groups sometimes. Here are some of the things that, when, as we're developing gospel community amongst ourselves, that I've found are, like, key ingredients. Like, you don't have these things. It's going to be really difficult. Uh, and number one is uh, uh, a, an authenticity of self and a safety in that authenticity. Right? If, if you're just trying to, like, fake it till you make it, right? Like, really clean cut, really like reading my Bible every day, right? I have no struggles in my prayer life whatsoever. No questions about God. Uh, my marriage is great. My kids obey. The job is great. No financial issues. I don't struggle with anger or uh, pride or uh, depression or lust or anything like that, uh, right? I'm basically awesome, How many of you have experienced the exhaustion of faking it? Faking it, right? How exhausting is that? And why do we fake it? 
We fake it because we don't feel safe. We fake it because we don't feel safe being who we really are in this other group of people. But when there's a commitment amongst a group of people to, one, have an authenticity of self, but also that we are, everyone is safe. Everyone's authentic self is safe in this room. You don't need to be someone you're not. You don't need to pretend like you're someone you're not. You don't need to say you do things that you actually don't or do things that actually you say you don't. Like, you just be you, and it's, this is a safe place for you to be you. And it's incredible when those walls come down and when everyone has the same commitment to say, all right, I just am who I am, and um, I am entrusting that it's safe with you. You know? Is it dangerous? Oh, <laughs> Among the most dangerous things you'll ever do. To trust someone with you, with who you really are. Alright? But with, with, there is no great reward without great risk. Alright? And there is great reward in enjoying the safety of gospel community with other people who know truly who you are and you know that you're safe with who they are with them uh, a second thing is um, to always assume the best always assume always assume the best it's not always easy because we, we typically become very skeptical of people critical cynical of people right and so we're, our tendency is not to always assume the best our tendency is always to assume the worst like well you have to earn my trust what if we did it the other way, right? What if we just trusted? What if we trusted from the beginning that they loved me? What if we trusted from the beginning that they loved Jesus? What if we trusted from the beginning that their heart towards me was good? Even if they said something, right, that comes across being like, ugh, I don't know about that. My assumption goes back to, well, I must have misunderstood them. Or they must just not have said it right how they really wanted. Or, um, or, or, or maybe I'm wrong in this. Um, always assume the best of intentions, of heart, of words in someone else. And there's always going to be hiccups in that, right? Always going to be hiccups. People are going to say things to you that you don't like to hear. People are going to say things to you that challenge you, that you don't like, that maybe are untrue, and we have to have a conversation, but maybe sometimes they're true, right? And it's not, um, it hurts not because it's not true, and it was offensive, it hurts because it was true, right? But I'm assuming that the reason they're saying it is because they have my best interest at heart. They desire my healing, they desire my wholeness, they, may, they desire my redemption before the Father. Here's a third thing. Don't quit when it gets difficult. Because it will get difficult. Don't quit when it gets difficult. It will get difficult. The fourth one is kind of closely is closely tied with that but 
has different dimensions to it, is be consistent over the long haul. If there's anything that I have learned about creating authentic gospel community um, recently in life is that uh, probably the number, one of the number one ingredients to creating authentic gospel community is consistency over the long haul. Just like a, we're going to stick with it. Maybe, uh, maybe we go through a season where we take a little bit, of, little bit of a break for a couple weeks or whatever, but like, no, uh, we're like long haul. We're, we're long haul people with you. Like, you're not going to get away from us. Easy. We're not taking you out of the text thread. We're going to keep inviting you. Like, we're going to keep expecting that you show up. We're going to continue to assume the best. Like, I'm going to continue to... to um, Share my truest self with you. It, it takes time. Listen, it takes time to create authentic, safe, gospel community. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It is necessary for you to become rooted in community in order for it to change you. It will take time. But it will pay, just like, just like anything that you invest in over the long haul. Almost everything that you invest in over the long haul pays immense dividends. Just ask your 401k. <coughs> so... This one, this next point, uh, is what I'm going to close with this morning. And I'm closing, I'm, gonna, I'm, closing, I'm choosing to close with it because it was the, the hardest, it was the hardest pill for me to swallow <laughs> as I was preparing this week. Oh, it, was the, it was the thing that Jesus was like, well, uh, how about this, Cameron? Like, the other stuff is easy for you to believe. How about this one? And this one for me was like, ah. I don't know what I think about that. I don't know, Lord. If we ask the question, how significant is gospel community in our healing? In your healing, in my healing, how significant is gospel community in healing? We look from our example this morning, we see that what does what the what does the paralytic say during all of this? What's he say? Nothing. What's he do? Nothing. Does he walk away healed? He does. What is significant what is the significance of gospel community? It seems to me from the word that the one of the significant aspects of gospel community is that Jesus honors the faith of others in your healing. Jesus honors the faith of others in your healing. You know what that means? You know what the the inverse is also true? Jesus honors 
your faith in others' healing. At one point in the scripture, the exact reference is my authentic safe self right here. Okay, pastor standing on the stage saying, I don't remember the exact reference of this, but um, the Jesus goes um, to heal and he asks the man, do you believe? Essentially, do you believe I can heal in this instance, right? And, and what does the man say? Uh, I do believe. What? But help me in my unbelief. I, b- I believe. I, I need a little bit of help in my unbelief, though. You know who is most skeptical of my healing? Me. You know who is the most, the most skeptical that I can be healed? That I can be made new? That, that Jesus is like he was with the man with, the, with leprosy when he said, Are, if you're willing, please heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing you know who, do I believe that Jesus is willing, I don't know, to heal me? I don't know. I want to believe. Lord, help me with my unbelief, please. Your word says you're willing. I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. But you know who believes in my healing sometimes more than I do? My wife. My small group, my staff, and close friends, those who I'm asking to pray for me, those who are fasting for me, right? You know what they believe? They believe categorically, undeniably, 100%. They're, they're, they're staking their prayer life on it. They're, they're abstaining from food for it. They're, they're, you know, assaulting the throne with, with praises and prayers, right? Believing that I, like, it's just this far, healing is just this far away. Healing is just one more step. It's gonna, it's gonna come. It's gonna, you're getting there. We're gonna get you to Jesus, right? And, and then it, and then it happens. And, and, and others' belief carried me in the midst of my unbelief. That, that others' faith carried me in the paralysis of my sickness, in my inability to get myself to Jesus all on my own. Stuck. Can't move. Can't go anywhere. There was people around me that loved me enough to get me there. To do whatever it took. There are, there are people, there are people who are expressing faith in God for your healing that is going to get you there. Because Jesus is willing And there are people in your life 
there, there are people on your, in your life who feel like they're going to be stuck in that sickness forever. And you need to believe God for them. You, it, is, it is your faith that is going to push them to the feet of Jesus. And God willing, there's going to be a waterfall, tsunami moment, right? Where, where they are going to become willing. Where they are going to let go of some of their blind spots. Where, where their fear is going to melt away. Where their pride is going to be melted in the humility of, of, of God's grace, right? And, and they're going to take those final steps by themselves. But hey, if they don't, we'll, we'll lo- I'll lower you through a roof, bro. I don't care. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. No matter what it takes, we're going to get you to the place where healing happens. The feet of Jesus. If you need a gospel community, if you don't have a place where, if you don't have people, right, that you feel are expressing faith in God's healing power on your behalf, right? Like, man, yeah, I need healing, but I don't have that. I don't have those people. Today's your lucky day. Today's your lucky day. Because here we are. Here we are. Here I am. I know, I, I know eight people in this room right now that would jump out of their seats and run to the altar with you, right? If you need healing and you need people surrounding you and you need help because you're stuck and you're paralyzed, right? Don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity to come up front this morning. And get carried to the feet of Jesus. We are here. I will be here. Others will be here. If you don't know if you're an other, you can be an other, right? <laughs> right? You see someone come up and be like, hey, that person needs, uh, that needs, person needs some faith, right? Like, I got faith for them. You run up and you put your arm around someone and be like, I'm here with you. I don't know where, I don't know your name. My breath smells like coffee, but, <laughs> like, let's do this. And we will pray together. We will pray together for your healing, and we'll enter into gospel community together. Now, uh, this is kind of like way off the, not way off the topic, but kind of on the topic. Um, <laughs> it's just, again, authentic and safe here. But I never, I don't always know when you come up to the altar if you want me to come and pray with you. I, I just don't, right? Um, sometimes people are like, I just want to be left alone. Other times people are like, man, I, I really need someone to, ex- like, help me in this moment and pray for me. I don't know which one it is all the time. Um, and I don't really know how to, like, make you raise your hand or something. I don't know. Um, I don't, 
So, like, um, at the risk of sounding, like, really kind of cheesy, can we just do this? Um, if you want someone to pray with you while you're up at the altar and you're kneeling, can you just cross your feet? Does that make sense? Is that a little weird? Yeah? Okay. That's a little weird, right? Huh? I mean, hey, I mean, I don't know how else to do it if you, hey, if you got an idea, bro, where I'm all ears, okay, <laughs> all ears, right, left or right, okay, how about this, if you want someone to pray with you, come over to this side, all right, if you're just like, man, I can pray by myself, come over to this side, got it, if you need prayer, come over to the side where the pastor is, if you don't need prayer, you can come over to this side, all right, sorry my idea was stupid, all right, <laughs> 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 here's the point we love you that's the point I mean I love you love you just want to pray with you want to want to be here with you for you I want to I want to believe in God's healing power I do believe in God's healing power over you, even if you don't believe it. And, and I will pray with you, and others will pray with you. Don't wait for me to ask you to come up and pray with people. If you want to come up and pray, come pray with people, please, right? Um, let me pray us out right now as the band comes forward. And um, if you're in this place where you're like, I need healing. I'm stuck. I need others to help me in my unbelief. Um, come up and come. We're here. We're, we'll pray. We'll get around you. We'll support you. We'll love you. That's all I can say. Like, this is why we're here. This is why we exist. This is why we're here. All right? Heavenly Father, we, um, we come before you, Lord. Lord, sometimes we just need to hear those words. If you are Willing, Lord, would you heal us? And all we want to hear, Lord, is, I am willing. I am willing. Lord, please be willing on our behalf this morning. May you pour out your healing power on us today. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next, from now until Jesus returns, may the healing power of the Holy Spirit flow through this place, through these prayers, Lord. May the healing power of your Holy Spirit create a revival, an awakening of redemption in this place.
Lord, bind us together in a unity of the Spirit because of our faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.